Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. We got Pac-12 Media Day tomorrow. It's Media Day, not Media Days, because the conference cut it back from two days to one. We're going to talk about that and answer a lot of your questions as fall camp is just around the corner, about a week and a half away, Friday, August 3rd. We got some new rules for fall camp we know about We're going to talk about all of that here on the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or if you'd like to call or text, the number is 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. We do love to hear from you on all things, all topics, USC football. And we love to talk to the coach. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, Harvey Hyde. Dot com. Welcome, Coach. Hope everything's going great. Hey, buddy. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yes, it's going great. Uh, the weather's warm, which means it's time for fall football. And, uh, you know, we've had a great off season, and if you call it an off season, and now we're getting ready for some real football. And this is where uh, your football team is basically, or our football team, or whatever football team you cheer for, is put together with the competition that you have out there and competing against each other and try to become a real good uh, football team. And I believe this is when it's done. I always felt, too, in the spring is an important time, but now is the time you come together. Now is the time you sacrifice. Now is the time you don't care what the publications say in the magazines and all of the media days. It's time for you as an individual to go out and perform and live up to your abilities and try to play a lot of football for you, for your university. That's this time of year, Coach. It's hard to believe this long offseason is just about over. When media days come and you start hearing about what teams are expecting, what the coaches are doing, all that kind of stuff, I uh, love to hear all that. And then pretty soon we're in fall camp, and then a few weeks later the season starts. So before we jump into all that, one or two Thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. They've been helping us for about 10 years now. Go to, uh, you can go to SoCalTix, S-O-C-A-L-T-I-X.com or call them at 800-888-7287. If you need tickets for any kind of sporting event, you want to go to a play, you want to go take your wife or your, your husband or whatever it is somewhere else nice, uh, that you need tickets for, go to Southern California tickets, 1-800-888-7287, and they will help you out. All right, Coach, um, just got uh, an email. Uh, tomorrow's Pac-12 Media Day. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I just got an email uh, from USC. So we typically get this close to when Media Day is. They send you the media guide. Um, there will be a bunch of information in that, but also kind of like the rules of What's going on for practices? So now we know uh, fall camp starts for sure, August 3rd, um, 4 p.m. practice. Open to the media, uh, but they will not be open to the public. And what they ended up saying uh, on that was that an NCAA rule 
makes August a recruiting dead period. So practices during fall training camp must be closed to the public except for invited guests of USC's athletic department. So no open practices for uh, any of fall camp, which is unfortunate. And I think what what their interpretation of the rule, rule is, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm going to talk to some other people about this too. We just literally just got this email about half an hour before we started the show. So what they're saying is because it's a dead period, if they opened up practice, recruits could come and watch practice, and then there would be contact with the coaches, and that would be an NCAA violation. Now, I think a lot of schools close practice for other reasons, but USC is kind of using this like compliance thing. Uh, I don't want to say an excuse, but it really is the reason behind it. But I know there's going to be other programs that have open practices, and they just you know, they're not saying just because a recruit happens to walk in when it's open to the public that now you're going to be some kind of NCAA violation. But wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I've been one that uh, sort of has uh, complained or made excuses as far as why it's an open. It's a great recruiting period of time. Plus, it's a great time for young people to go out and see their football team practice and see what they're doing at one of the top football programs in America. I've always felt that, and I used to fight to keep it open and allow the players to intermingle and watch their specific group practice so they could get better at the same time and give it an experience. Uh, I really was one to do that. But now, you know, I'm not going to talk about that anymore because it's just something that you need to do as an individual program to get your team ready to play. And And I don't think Clay Helton has much to say about that. I think it comes from the compliance office. So... That's their decision. That's the way they interpret it. All seven of them went to Helsinki and had a summit meeting and decided that this is exactly what they're going to do, and uh, this is what they're going to do. So rather than worry about that, is that not, that's not going to make any difference in the season. got to worry about what happens on the practice field, and as a head football coach, i got to make sure my team is ready to play. And I always felt my team would be ready to play a little bit more if you had people watching and coaches there and there was a lot of enthusiasm. I thought they always tried a little bit harder, but uh, this is something they decided, so some schools will follow it, some schools won't, but let's uh, just worry about what they do at USC as far as getting ready for their opener. Yeah, you know, it's it's become a sport that's like, it feels like everything's a state secret, you know, and everything's got to be clandestine. It's like spy movie stuff. And, you know, it's football. It's not, there's crazy. And I, it just, uh, it's good to hear that when you were running the program, you didn't feel it was like that. I think, I don't think everyone was like it back then, but more and more programs are where, you know, I get there's a lot of money involved and, and all of that, but it just seems like it's still college football when you treat it like you're guarding uh, the constitution of the United States or something. It just seems it's kind of strange to me. You know what I mean, Coach? I, I know exactly how you're feeling. And, you know, it just seems like they're putting rules in to put rules in to make it different than what it used to be and protect something. Hey, there's no – I don't have any secrets at, uh, in my football program. Now, the week of game planning, yeah, okay, I understand that. I think most people would understand that. You've got certain things and ways you're blocking plays and what you're going to try to attack on your opponent. But as far as watching a football practice, how much can someone gain from that? Or how, why, why wouldn't you allow uh, student-athletes or, or parents or whoever they might be 
watch your football team practice. I mean, I just think that's part of it. I mean, they pay good money to come to the games. You want to be able to get their support. You know, in Southern California now, they got a lot of choices. So I would think that I'd want one of my choices or our choices to be to come to our practice. Yeah. All right. Well, we just wanted to kind of bring it up because I really just got that email right before. I don't remember if fall camp practices were closed last year or two, but just that line in there about, um, you know, uh, dead period and all of that, that it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I wanted to. Let me ask you. Let sure. me ask you this, Ryan. Now, since it's a closed practice. Yes. Is that going to mean they're going to allow us to walk around uh, on the side where we'll be able to watch practice a little bit more because there's no one there that we can talk to or disrupt? Nope. <laughs> so uh-huh. we're still we're still in our little pen, according to the release. But does that make sense then? No, I think because they'll probably have guests uh, or whatever on the other side. So where if you walk into Howard Jones Field. You go to the left, and there's like a 20-yard area where the media can go. So it's a little hard because if you're going to try to shoot video or photos, which we're allowed to do for about 20 minutes of the beginning of practice, mostly stretching and things like that, um, you're pretty limited because you're far away from a lot of the action. But to the right usually are like family, parents, and they've always tried to – well, not always, but recently they've tried to separate us from them. So – and they don't – like if if a father or you know parent comes over and says hi to one of us – because they know us or whatever, uh, you're like, oh, hey, how you doing? Then usually security will come over and tell them you're not allowed to talk to them. So it's really kind of like, it's very strange the way they segregate everything in the, in the practice. But yeah, my understanding, Coach, is we will still be on the left side for you know that, that end of the field, and then whoever, like family and things like that, will be to the right. But we, we still will be separated. We will be limited. Well, if you do go out and you can't get in, make sure you take an umbrella. Make sure you take a chair and a lot of water because uh, it's going to be hot and there isn't any water nearby. So make sure you go prepared because uh, camp is as bad for the media and you as a parent than it is as a player. So we're sort of in it together. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So that was the the first thing we wanted to bring up. But the second thing was, of course, Pac-12 media days. It used to be days. Now it's day. Um, so Hollywood and Highland, I'll be up there tomorrow. It's going to be a very, very long day. I'm curious to see the reasons it must be cost cutting. Um, I mean, you're having it in an expensive venue and I think he didn't want to get rid of having it in that expensive venue. So here you're, you're going to cut it down from, from two days to one, which it's going to be a lot harder. Lunch is going to be a little crazy because usually lunchtime is when you get to try to get some one-on-one time or table time with a lot of these people. Um, but now you have all the players and all the coaches having lunch on the same day. So, you know, it'll, I'm not a huge fan of this, but whatever, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Pac-12 media day coach. And then Tarek had a question. Do you find media days useful? Well, first of all, let me say the Pac-12 does media day Mickey Mouse. Okay. (laughs) It's, it's Mickey Mouse compared to the other Pac-5 or big five conferences. I mean, it's uh, if you're going to call it media day, then give access to, to the media to everyone. Give them, give them something that they can write about. Give them comfort. Give them a banquet. Give them the atmosphere of what football is all about. You take the Southeastern Conference, they, they put AstroTurf or fake grass all over their entire media rooms and everywhere 
so everybody felt like they were walking on the football carpet. They have a banquet where the Tournament of Roses president is invited to, and this is, and they speak and welcome. Uh, this is the Big Ten one that's going on now, because I know the president, Gerald Freeney, just flew out Friday to speak to the Big Ten uh, media people and the banquet and the luncheon they serve. They have a program, actual, actual program, and goes two or three days, and it's big time. The, 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 the people have really an opportunity, the media, to talk to the coaches, talk to the players. Uh, they, the coaches get up there and talk. Uh, and it's really big time. It's really something that, well, the Roosevelt will fly to about eight people there just to be a part of it themselves and host a room. And, and you know, the Roosevelt, and, that, and that's who plays the Pac-12 normally in a matchup. And then you look at the... Pac-12, the way they do it, uh, parking problems one day. Uh, I'm not going to it because it, it's just uh, so inconvenient that it really doesn't serve its purpose as far as uh, allowing the media to publicize your conference, really, and, and do it the right way and do all the TV and do all the filming and do all the things that you need to do, Ryan, as far as taking sound bites and talking to coaches before they play Oregon, you should have a, a sound bite from the Oregon coach and one from the UCLA coach and one from the Arizona State coach. Uh, to put all these things together, so when we do podcasts, you can say, Coach, this is what Herm Edwards said at Media Day. Well, you don't even have the opportunity to do those type of things. At least I don't think you do because everybody is trying to grab everybody at the same time and the poor coaches are being pulled on from every direction. And you really don't get it done. So I don't even go. I don't want to inconvenience myself or inconvenience myself because I know a lot or the coaches. So I know these guys. So I think they're beating themselves and they're not doing They're trying to live up to the standards of what, you know, these other conference who they compete against as far as for rankings, uh, TV revenue, exposure, recruiting, you name it, uh, that is very important to the Pac-12. So I don't think they do it right, and I've always felt this, and I'll say it again, because I tried to get the championship game in Las Vegas, and we were down to the final three, but Larry Scott decided to go to Santa Clara. Everybody wants to go to Santa Clara for the championship game in the Pac-12. And eventually it will be in Las Vegas, because we continually fight to get it there in the new stadium now. But why shouldn't Media Day be in Las Vegas? Can you imagine it being being in one of the big hotels with all the lobbies and all the side rooms and all the convenience of, of television uh, uh, equipment and in one beautiful building and a big ballroom with a big banquet. And, hey, people would like to go there just because it's Las Vegas. And look where it's located. Easy access into Las Vegas. It's the middle of between Utah, Washington, Arizona, Colorado, Southern California, uh, Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington. I mean, it's perfect uh, to fly in there for three days, have media day there, and let people enjoy it and have some shows and do the whole thing, kick off the football season the way it should be kicked off. But now they've decided to have it on Highland and what? Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, prime time downtown L.A., fight the freeways, do all the things to get there. I'm not going, and I'll tell you. So don't ask me anything about media day because I won't know. <laughs> it is kind of insane. I would love to have it in Vegas. And I think, you know, once the new stadium is built, I think things will shift there, which will be great. 
Um, I've gone to Mountain West Media Days in in uh, Las Vegas, and it was awesome. Could have some sort of golf tournament, which I would love. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to having Vegas. Uh, you know, it's convenient for me to be in L.A., but heck, by the time I drive to Hollywood from Hermosa Beach, it's probably easier for me to fly, <laughs> fly to Las Vegas. Uh, it is a pain. Like, trying to get up there, the traffic is just terrible. You're, you know, it's not like a freeway dumps you off there. You're taking surface streets a lot of the way, and it's absolutely insane. So um, I'm not sure what the fascination is. I uh, just love to say, you know, you're in Hollywood. If you loved it so much, maybe you should have put the Pac-12 media, I mean, uh, Pac-12 network somewhere in Hollywood, but whatever. Uh, I'll be there all day. It's going to be a really long day. Um, and coach, we'll, we'll miss you, but we'll see you soon out the first practice. Well, that's great. I was in Vegas all last week, and uh, it's a prime time to have an event like that there. They could go out and look at the new stadium. And they, you know, they 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 have a tie with the Las Vegas Bowl people. It just just makes sense. Everything makes sense, so don't do it, okay? Right. It's got to. If it doesn't make sense, don't do it. And it's not really making sense where it is now, especially doing one day. We'll see. I'll let you. I'll give you a full report when I get back. All um, right, buddy. All so right. we, uh, so player run practices wrapped up last week. Um, they're not going to do any more. So this week they'll basically have off and then they start fall camp next week. At least that's what they said. Maybe they'll change their minds and, and do one. But we had a question from Don. He said, during player run practices, can teams practice in pads? Uh, no, they can't, Don. Uh, what are the NCAA rules regarding equipment during PRPs? It looked like towards the end, players were getting bored. If the offensive line is decent, I'm expecting a very good offense. Uh, I've been big on JT Daniels for a couple of years. I believe the offense will be better prepared and more efficient than last year. It may sound ridiculous with the top three offensive players leaving, but JT's understanding of the game will produce efficiency. Uh, that's from Don. And yeah, Don, there's no... These aren't, these are just player run, throwing the ball around kind of things. USC, I think, is more involved in them now. There's more scripting. It's less guys going out there and throwing the football around. It's more sort of preparing for what you're going to be doing at practice, but the coaches can't be there to direct or anything, but they are totally running, um, scripted stuff while they're out there, but they, it's all, they can use footballs. They can't use, they can't put helmets and shoulder pads and things like that on. No, that's right, and uh, you certainly don't want to injure anybody, but yet you want to get something out of it. See, I've always felt, why go out and do something when you're really not accomplishing anything? You're just saying, oh, we got our guys out there. Yeah, our guys are out there working out. I, I think that's a negative. I mean, cut them in half and get something done and uh, accomplish something for being out there. Otherwise, don't be out there at all. Watch films or lift weights or whatever's necessary to do to become a better football player, football team. Now, you were out there. I wasn't out there. But from what I've seen from your uh, reporting, I haven't seen a lot of team stuff. I haven't seen a lot of emphasis with the offensive line as far as blocking schemes and angles and see them hit the sled as far as with their hands and fool around with that and so on. It looks to me like they're just uh, being out there. I don't know if they're getting any better, but they're just being out there. I think it's important that if you're going to be out there to accomplish something, get better at something, or, you know, actually line up in the ball and run plays and let your defense line up and recognize motions and different uh, coverages and work against each other. You don't even need a football. Yeah. But do brain intelligent work. Uh, 
as far as, okay, we're in cover two, and they come out in this formation, there's motion, cover one, cover one, cover one. And then that's after the ball, no one takes a step. But just <laughs> the thing as far as getting better at something, just to go out on the field, to say you're out on the field and we're doing ourselves, I think that's a waste of time. So uh, get better at something you do or don't do it at all. Coach, I love it. Yeah, I mean, these aren't my favorite. Um, I liked it when it was more competitive, when there was a lot of one-on-ones and things like that. Um, and my example was like a guy like a Jana Harris um, coming in and really seeing what he was able to do in these practices because it was really competitive. And then, you know, now you're coming in and you're basically just kind of running scripts and stuff where before Jana never even played wide receiver uh, then he comes in and starts playing, and he's doing really well against some of the top corners on USC. And everyone's like, wow, who is this kid? And I think it really helped him and got him on the field, even though you know he's playing defense now, but he'd moved around a little bit. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more competition in those things. And I, you know, I, I get it. There's a different era because people are you're worried about getting hurt and things like that. But I don't see them as being as... They were one of the more fun things to watch and cover, and it seemed like players enjoyed. Everyone was having a good time. It's less of that now, which it's unfortunate. You want you want guys to have a good time. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Do you have a comment, or we can move on? No, no, exactly. I saw some things. I was able to evaluate some talent as far as athletic ability of uh, some of the defensive backs, and I was impressed with some of the young players and as far as the way they – backpedaled and they broke for the ball and uh, positioned themselves I really was and I think there's some young defensive backs that are going to get some playing time if they want the right players on the field now that's a question that uh, you have to look at to see just what the coaches want out there do they want experience or do they want the best players or the guy that can make a play so uh, this is what uh, you have to make a decision of as a, as a head football coach uh, do you uh, say, well, this guy's a senior, but these other two guys are better football players? These are the decisions you have to make, and I know which way I'd go. All right. Well, let's move on. We have a voicemail question for you, Coach. Uh, let me play it for you. It's our buddy, Curtis. Hey, fellas. It's Curtis from Moreno Valley. I had a question about uh, gold line and short, short yarded situations for our team. Uh, with all this depth, with all these linemen and tight ends and running backs, are we going to finally just go big like most schools do when it's on the one-yard line or it's fourth and one? When we have to get some yards, are we going to go big? You know, we have enough people. We have enough size. You know, take out those tight ends and put in linemen. Put tight ends for receivers. Go extra big to have an advantage. They're going to have corners on the field uh, on defense against that offense. We need to go big if we can. Do you guys think we're going to do it? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, uh, I like your statements. Uh, I don't think they will. Uh, I've been talking about this for probably six to seven years, and I, you have to practice things, and you have to believe in certain things or they don't work, and you don't really do it. I haven't seen any type of indication from the offensive side of the football, whoever that includes, to, to emphasize that toughness as far as uh, when you have one yard to go or three yards to go and you have to get it. Uh, 
just makes sense. My bigs against your bigs, baby. Uh, let's do what? And you know what I'm talking about. And you made good points regarding corners not being as physical as bigger guys. It just uh, just just makes sense. Uh, uh, until they show me, I won't believe it. Uh, once they show me, then I'll believe it. Uh, so my point is, it's nice to think that they're going to go big on big, but I'm tired of trying to just say what I would do. I'm trying to say, show me what your philosophy is. And so far, their philosophy is there's no big on big. It's uh, whatever the number's called. I agree with you there, Coach. Um, I what I don't like seeing pistol or shotgun on short yardage, but we see that it's you see it all over college football now. So it's not. Curtis, I would disagree with you. It's not most people doing that now. That's what USC used to do, what a lot of teams used to do, but most people probably are more in the spread now. That's just the way it goes. Um, Yeah, but if if you look at the teams that win regularly and the teams that are physical and look at the preseason teams who are – they're all run. They can all run the football. They're all physical. They can get the one yard and they work on that. Uh, And, uh, you know, even if you are – in a, in, a, in a spread formation. There's running formations out of that where you're physical, and USC doesn't do that. Yeah. Well, speaking of bigs, our buddy Big Nick, uh, Big Nick 21 USC from the P, Nick in Cyprus, uh, he was asking a question about bigs. Would you start at left tackle Clayton Johnston or Austin Jackson? What do you think? Because now Toa Lobendon is going to move over to center, uh, so who do you, who would you start over there at left tackle, Coach? Well, uh, I think it's a nice battle, and it's, I think it's great to have that type of competition, and I think that probably USC has more depth at all positions than they've ever had before. Maybe some uh, non-experienced players, but they've got players. They're at full numbers and so on. I think it's a good problem to have. I would like to see Johnson also play on the right side and push Chuma. You know, Chuma is a guy that has all the ability in the world, but sometimes take a play off, takes plays off. And you've heard me talk about this, and Bobby, he knows this, and they recognize this more than anybody else and gets a holding penalty and gets an illegal procedure or whatever in every game. I, de- I demand him to become a football player, the type of football player he should be and what I think he can be. So I'd make it a battle among uh, both sides. Because there's not that much difference between both sides. It just depends what side the tight end is on and what hand you put down. So I, I think it'd be great to make some real great competition out of these three and others and get your best five players out there that can compete and win for you. Yeah, so that's what I would say. I, I think Johnson uh, and Jackson and, and uh, uh, the other tackle, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Did I pronounce it correctly? Which, uh, Chum, the right Chuma, tackle. Chuma Adoga, yeah. Chuma Adoga. Yeah. Yeah, Adoga. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really do. I think they got some, but I'd, I'd make them make, make, make each other better football players. I mean, I, I wouldn't say anybody's got it made. I'd want to find out who wants to play. This is what camp's about. Yeah. You all, all the pub, all the publications tell you who the starters are. How the hell do they know who the starters are? <laughs> now, Good point. you know, now it's time. Yeah, now it's time to find out who the starters are. I mean, this is what you recruited guys for. Just like the quarterback situation at at USC. Hey, you recruited all three of these quarterbacks, which meant I hope you felt all three of them could win football games for you. 
Now let's see what quarterback earns that right. Let's see what quarterback should be the starter. Not what everybody's saying about a certain player, whether it's uh, media or publications or whatever. So whoever it is, it better be the best one who can win you a championship among any three who could yeah. win you a championship or why even recruit him? Oh, good points. Um, he had a follow-up coach. He had a second question, our buddy Nick. I probably should have talked about this at the top when we were talking about Pac-12 Media Day, but he wants to know, and I'll give you my answer first. Uh, give your record for USC next season. Who wins the North and South for the Pac-12 respectively and who wins the Pac-12 as a whole? And I put in my, so for Pac-12 Media Day, we have to put in our poll. Last year, I think it was the only media member who selected everything right. So I picked USC to win the South, Stanford to win the North, with I think it was the only person. Most people pick Washington. And I picked USC to win it all, and they did. This year, I'm picking Washington to win the North. They looked really good to me. And for some reason, and I know USC fans probably get mad at me, I'm picking Utah. I think Utah can break through this year and win the South. USC is certainly the most talented team still, but I just feel like there's going to be, there's something missing. And, you know, maybe JT Daniels comes in and just fixes all the problems. If that's the case, then who knows? But so I picked Utah to win the South, and then I picked uh, Washington to win the Pac-12. Uh, as far as record go, I think USC is going to go 9-3 and three this year. But what what do you think, Coach? People are getting mad at me now, though, by the way. No, they're not getting mad at you. You've got an opinion. They've got an opinion. You're being honest on what your feelings are. To me, what you're saying is Utah is doing a better job of coaching than USC. Because yeah. if you look at the recruiting rankings and everything, you don't see them even – Compared to what USC gets, they go out and get all the JC kids, and they get a lot of kids that are three stars, and they bring a, a transfers in, and and uh, and they're pretty good. So what you're saying when you tell me that you think that Utah does a better job of coaching, because the roster, the best roster in the Pac-12, even above Washington, I think is USC. Yeah, agree, hundred uh, percent. So what, Cal Whittingham, huh? I think, does a great job. But his yeah. he hasn't won the South yet. You know, we've seen Colorado win the South. We've seen everybody else. So I think he's there. He's always like second place. Um, I watched their spring game. I was really impressed. And I just think there's going to be enough questions about USC that th this could be a potential uh, for Utah to win this year. Now we'll see. I could be completely wrong, but that's uh, that's what I picked. I got it right last year, so you know we'll see if I get it right again this year. Well, I hope you don't get it right, right. if you're an oh, FC yeah. fan. <laughs> but, but again, I agree with you. I think Utah's got a great program, and I've got them second, okay? And I think they, they're a very physical football team, and you're not going to blow them out, I'll tell you. If you when you play Utah, they look forward to playing you, okay? They're not intimidated. They don't care who you are or what colors you wear. They don't care where you play. They're going to be there. A lot of them are older than most of your kids. And uh, they got a lot of pride. Got a lot of pride because they're the small school and one of the newest schools to come into the, the Pac-12. And a lot of them said, oh, they'll never get it done here. But they've done a great job in the Pac-12. They have one of the smallest stadiums and all the other things that go along with it. But they do a great job of recruiting as far as who fits their mold of what they're looking for. They're not a bunch of five stars, but they're a lot of transfers and JC kids. They get a lot of great success out of JC kids. And he coaches them up. 
but I've got FC winning the South, and if they don't win the South, then I don't think they're doing a good job of coaching because they got the best roster. And I've always felt when you have the best players, you ought to win unless you're not doing your job. So I have to go that way. I have to look at who has got the best players and then what the results are. Now, in the North, I think Washington's got the best players right now, yet probably the top player in the North is Bryce Love from Stanford, but I think they're going to be a little young on the defensive side of the football. So I think Washington's got to jump on them there, and we'll see what happens. But uh, that's what makes football great, to find out what happens. Yeah, we'll see. So thanks, Nick. Um, And uh, we'll see where USC ends up. That's why we're all here. Uh, We got one last question for you, Coach. This is our buddy Paul in Las Vegas, a place you know very well. How (laughs) So how do you like the idea of using the UNLV game as a rehearsal for all three quarterbacks since none of them have any college game experience with with Fink's touchdown the exception why not announce each quarterback will play a quarter i know you will like calling a starter and stick it with him but this is a unique opportunity to see all three guys in a live game scenario thanks uh paul in vegas well you're not giving much credit to UNLV then huh you don't think they're very good Apparently I mean, not. Apparently Paul does not. Apparently not. And and let me tell you, you know, uh, they're a 28-point underdog. But this is a big game to them. They're coming to Southern California. They have 42 players in the state of California and neighboring states. So they're going to take it very seriously. And who knows what's going to happen. But last year, they opened against a team where they were 40-point favorite, UNLV. That was Howard University, and they got beat. So they're going to look at their opener a little bit different. And uh, don't get me wrong, USC should dominate the football game. But don't think that you're going to just take them lightly because they're going to bring their game, and USC should win the football game. The spread, it's a big spread. Can they cover that? I don't know. I'd probably bet no. But, uh, no, it's not a time to rotate. It's a time to know and uh, use what you're getting paid for as a, as a football coach, and that's making decisions on who is your best player and what is your best play and what is the objective of this football team and how can we win. And I think that you should be able to know by that time who is your best football team if you take fall practice and spring practice serious and don't stand around and hit bags all the time, but find out who can make decisions and speed and the opportunity. So, no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I've never done that, and uh, I've got to believe in my staff and myself as far as being able to make decisions during the, the practice period where we can get better in practice because we have more opportunities than we can in one game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Clay Helton has that. I mean, maybe there's some coach somewhere that would do that, but that would be very disrespectful, I think, like you said, to UNLV, even though you're a big favorite. To go in and play like three different quarterbacks and not name one, there it would just be. It would make fall camp really long where there weren't lots of questions. Like you kind of want to name somebody at some point, but if you go in there like you're going to play all three guys and then figure out you know who you're going to be. I mean, you kind of lose a couple of weeks of prep by not naming a starter and then giving them all the first team reps because you basically have to split reps for all three quarterbacks, right, for the whole camp, and then at least if you pick somebody they're going to get the majority of those first-team reps and, and kind of prepare themselves. I think you're better off preparing by picking a guy a couple of weeks into fall camp and letting them be the man for the next few weeks before you go play on the road at Stanford and Texas than 
letting it be an audition the week before, you know, two tough road trips uh, that you'd have to go on and do. I agree with you. Uh, you've got to be ready to go, and it's one game. And it's uh, one-twelfth of your season. And uh, you better use that as a learning experience and get better for your next two games. Because I'll tell you what, going to Stanford's not going to be easy. But going to Texas and Austin, I think that might be the toughest game of the year. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that was a, a losable game last year, overtime in the Coliseum. It's going to be a better Texas team. USC loses their top three offensive producers. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an extremely uh, tough game. And, you know, I, the audition thing, for a, you basically have one quarter. And who knows, you know, like you could get, if you don't get the ball to start the, the game, I mean, you might get the ball with 10 minutes left in the first quarter and get a drive and a half or two drives. And that's it. That's your whole audition for the entire year. I think that's why you have practices. That's why you want to figure all this stuff out and you go into meetings and everything. It's not just about what you're doing on the field. You have to project that. That's part of the coach's job, but it's not easy. I mean, did you see, I mean, you, some guys are just different in a game and they show you something in a game that you don't really get to see. And I think that's probably where Paul's coming from on this, that who's the gamer, you know, is, is Jack Sears a gamer? You just don't know. He just hasn't been all that impressive in practice. But once he's in the game, pow, you know. Um, I think you saw that with Sam Darnold, and I, maybe that's what Paul's trying to do here, Coach. No, you're right. There are gamers. you got to be in a position to prove that you're a gamer. Uh, but, again, you've got to prove during practice you're a gamer, too. Uh, and you've got to have the type of situations in practice where it is like a game situation. We go all out, man. Full speed. And uh, right now, you know, some teams don't do that. But you got to take that chance to become a better football team. And uh, especially when you have young quarterbacks, you've got to give them the look. If you don't give them the look, you're not doing them uh, the favor or service that they need. So we'll get a lot of looks uh, once fall camp starts. we got to see JT Daniels and uh, these summer workouts, the player-run practices. Now we'll get to see them in pads and everything else. So this is what everyone's anticipating. But, uh, Paul, interesting idea. I don't think it would work. But, you know, that's just us. Me and Coach agree on that one. Well, Coach, sorry we're not going to see you out there tomorrow. Packed off media days. It's going to be a really long day for me. But we'll get we'll talk to you again next week, which will be kind of – we'll do some sort of preview. So if you guys have any questions for Coach previewing, like position battles or anything, we'll probably do that next week because next Friday, August 3rd, is when camp – actually start so what 10 days or so from now so we'll have one more show pre-fall camp and then after that we'll be able to talk about what we're seeing at practice but coach thanks again for coming on it was great stuff no that sounds great really i look forward to it and uh represent us well out there tomorrow have fun and and i'll look forward to seeing you at practice sounds good that is the coach harvey hyde follow him on twitter at coach harvey hyde or go to his website harvey hyde Com. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. I am Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. This has been the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. 
SC Tickets, Concert, Sports, and Theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.